0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Built on Hope, a podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I'm your host Isaac, and in this episode we're going to be going over something which was rather big. It happened quite a while ago, but that was the UK Games Expo in-person event. It was the first instance of in-person Imperial Assault in the UK since all the craziness of 2020, and it was quite a blast. Didn't have quite as many players as we would have liked, but it was a very interesting showing of quite a lot of different lists. Interestingly, we had two Imperialists facing off in the finals with, a lot, with actually Empire making quite a heavy showing, despite there being quite a small amount of players at the actual tournament. It was an absolutely excellent tournament. In this episode, we are going to be going over exactly what happened there, our thoughts, what we ran. We've also brought on the winner of the tournament, which is going to be very, very exciting, and we'll bring him on in a second. But before we do that, first of all, let's bring on the Built on Hope podcast hosts. So, David, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, pretty good. It's It's been a while. I've,
1: we've been slacking off a little, but it's good to be back and recording. And of course, Josh deserves his spotlight for his UK mm. Games Expo win. Actually, we had a lot more registrations to begin with, but I think ar- around Expo, there was some some confusion and maybe another surge in the covid so a lot of people dropped at the last minute
0: yeah it was definitely unfortunate indeed we even had a few americans who were planning on taking the trip over you know because essentially you asked in the facebook groups okay how many people do we have interested and ultimately we got 20 people saying yes if you run this event i'm coming and we ended up with five which is or six actually it's which is a little bit disappointing but at the end of the day it is what it is i
1: think we we actually had had seven in the end yeah uk games expo was pretty happy with us we were one of two miniatures games that did end up showing up to run events and it's it's usually quite difficult to get on the list right you have to prove that you're an active game and you've got tournaments running all year round and you have to have minimum attendance so i i am glad that we were able to you know jump through all those hoops and have have a great time still
0: 100 percent. and unless i'm mistaken doesn't this now mean that we are able to apply for a spot next year as well because we've had one here at expo or not
2: we're established
0: maybe we'll see i, th- I think so okay well that would definitely be exciting um as you just heard there we also are joined by the wonderful jessica how are you doing
2: i'm good thank you
0: excellent excellent all right so before we bring the winner josh of the tournament onto the podcast Jess, would you like to go over the news for us?
2: You got it. All right. First off, the biggest piece of news is that Asmodee has released the prize kits from Worlds 2020 for IA events at Adepticon this year. So our very own David Gao will be running the event. So if you're interested, you can message him on the Zion's Finest Slack, or you can email us at builtonhopeia at gmail.com. All right, David, do you want to give us some info on that?
1: Um. Yeah, so a number of community members will also contribute additional FFG promos, as well as community-printed prizes for side events. So the event will run over two days at Adepticon, which is March 23rd through March 27th. The first day of Imperial Assault will be on Friday, which will actually be a kind of retro throwback tournament using just FFG rules. So for everyone who hasn't followed IACP, it's a great way to jump back in, play some Imperial Assault, and maybe you know check out the new stuff. So during that day, we'll also be running four-player side event pods starting all throughout the day. And Josh on Slack is actually running these um, while I'm running the main tournament on Friday. So contact him if you're interested in those. On day two, uh, the Saturday, will be the main IACP tournament. So we're going to run Swiss and Top Cut both in the same day and give everybody some time to check out the rest of the convention. Okay, so also since it's quite short notice for those of you in Europe and the UK that can't travel to Chicago for Adepticon, we will try to bring some of the leftover World's 2020 prizes over for UK Games Expo in Birmingham. And that'll be from the 3rd to the 5th of June. So hopefully we'll see you there if you can't make Adepticon,
2: Yeah, again, so if you're interested in coming to UK Games Expo for that, we're also going to be running that event. So, you know, contact us, reach us on either the Zion's Finest Slack or again at our email, built on hope, IA at gmail.com. And hopefully that'll have a lot of people for that. All right. In other IACP news, um, after some feedback from the IACP community, the steering committee has made the decision to change the release frequency of new seasons. So there will now be a new season released every 9 months instead to allow for a longer playtesting time. So some upcoming IACP dates to keep in mind, what's already happened, Moss Isley Back Alleys is back in rotation replacing Chopper Base. Starting January 31st, there will be some miscellaneous balance updates, some smaller changes, than the normal playtest period updates, just tweaking a few things. March 21st will be the next map rotation, Java's Realm will be rotating out. April 25th, Season 7, Public Playtesting will be released, and Playtesting League will start. Then in late July, early August, Season 7 public playtesting will end, and there will be the community vote, and the season 7 competitive play season will begin. Alright, now in event news, congratulations to Carson, champion of the season 6 competitive league with a IG-11 Mando Jabba Afra list. Now, there's also been some discussion about another competitive vassal league in February. If you are interested in that, Join the discussion in the Zion's Finest Slack. In other news, there's now an IACP community locator map Function or feature on the IACP website to help the community organize in person games moving forward. So, if you're looking to get some in person games and you maybe are looking for a couple more people to play with, check that out and see if there's anyone in your area that is also playing. And also put yourself on there so that you can be contacted if anyone in your area is looking to start up some IACP games. All right, that's it for news.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Jess. And I say we just kick it off, to be honest, folks. So let's bring on the man of the hour, the Vader of Imperial Assault, the winner of the tournament, Joshua Hunt. How are you doing, my friend? I am good. Excellent. So it has been quite a few months since uh, we've seen you at the tournament. So have you been? What's been happening?
3: I've been good. College has restarted, which is cool, I guess. Has meant I'm busier than I was before, so I've not got as many games in with my brothers as I would have liked to, but. That is what it is. Yeah, fair
0: enough. So do you want to introduce yourself and your history with Imperial Assault to the listeners?
3: So I came to Imperial Assault through one of my dad's friends. He had some friends who had the game and they came over and we played it once. And I will admit to begin with, I was a bit disappointed. because I thought we were going to be playing X-Wing. Traitor. <laughs> but in the end, we played Imperial Assault and that was in the end of a very fun afternoon. Next Christmas came around, me and my brother put on our list collaboratively. Imperial Assault Corset, and over the next few years, we've collected the entire set. Uh, yeah.
1: This is pro- probably a good good time for me to come clean, in that we also played a lot of X Wing at the very beginning, and there was a crossroads between whether we were going to do Imperial Assault more seriously or X Wing more seriously.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> what, are, what are these dark secrets? Well, fair enough, Shosh. Um, so what would you say got you into the game then? Was it was it specifically the fact that you had played it and that it seemed fun? Or was there something else, something about maybe Star Wars or the mechanics, maybe something specific about the one time you played which got you hooked on it? I'm
3: not sure there is really anything specific, except that everything seemed pretty much perfect. The mechanics hmm. of the game flowed flawlessly. It was a Star yeah. Wars game, so that's always a bonus. It had the miniatures and a kind of tactical style of the games I like.
0: No, that sounds really good. Sounds very fun. So would you say that you recall your first Imperial Assault tournament?
3: Yes. My first Imperial Assault tournament was several years after we got the game because mm-hmm. initially my brother and I played campaign exclusively and that is still the major thing we play. I guess part of that was the first thing we played was a campaign. But one time... One of my dad's friends, Mark Stevens, who was at the tournament at Games Expo, he and his friend were going to go to a tournament, but for some reason his friend couldn't make it, so he offered me the ticket instead, and so I went up. Very inexperienced in the sense of skirmish, but I went there anyway and had a great time.
0: Good stuff. And kind of looking at you as a player then, is there any kind of consistency in what you've liked to play over the years, or have you just enjoyed playing anything you can get your hands on?
3: Empire. My skirmish forces are almost exclusively Empire.
0: Interesting. Wonderful, wonderful. Alright, well, let's dive straight into the UK Games Expo then, so what did you run for the event?
3: So I ran Vader, Thrawn, two groups of elite sentry droids, and an officer, I think I've covered the points with that. Oh wait, Zilla technique as well, that was it.
0: Always auto gloom. <laughs> oh, obviously, obviously. No, that, that's really cool, so what made you want to play that list? Is there any kind of lore reason, or maybe gameplay reason? Why Vader? It's
3: entirely in the gameplay reason. The first tournament I played was just after the drop of Heart of the Empire, and so Vader had got his upgrade buff, and so I played him. And every time I've been able to work Vader well, when I try a new list, I then don't have that Vader and struggle a bit more. So it's just familiarity with Vader. And throughout the campaigns we played, Sentry Droids have always been a major threat to the Rebel Heroes. And so, when I saw their points reduction several seasons ago, I thought, you know what, let's try them out. And yeah, I had one time had a list of Centrodroids and Emperor, one time had a list of Vader and Champion. Both didn't quite have what I wanted.
1: Was this kind of an evolution of a previous Vader list that you played?
3: Yeah, so at the first ISCP tournament, I had the Emperor and two Centroids. Then the next one I did have Vader and the Champion. And although both had their merits, I felt neither one quite worked, and then trying to prepare for the Games Expo, I thought, you know what, why don't I combine the two and take the two things I think work best? And I was very pleased with the result.
0: <laughs> well, certainly, you, you played very well. The list was very, very effective. No, that's wonderful. Well, so let's go over what the other lists were then. So, David, what did you run?
1: I ran a very fun double wampa. Lothcat, Jabba, Hondo, Jin, and 3PO lists with Temporary Alliance, Black Market, and Beast Tamer. And I was using uh, Apex Predator and all of the creature cards. It was super bloody, but also super fun. (laughs) Uh, So we we also had Mark Stevens, who was already mentioned on the podcast. (laughs) He he was playing Forlom, Dengar, Bosk, IG-88, and Zuckus, I believe. So two scum lists so far. Uh, Then I think Peter Hunt was playing Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka Tano, Davith, Marjade, and Yoda with the obligatory heroic effort that most of us forget to use half the time. (laughs) And we also had Jason Hunt, who was running IG. 11, the Mandalorian, Dengar, HK-47, Maul, Ajawa, and the Darksaber. So we we had quite a decent spread among the three factions, actually. A little bit heavier on uh, Scum than on Rebels, but everything was there.
0: So what did you run, Isaac? Yeah, so we did, in one of the previous episodes, discuss our thinking and you know go over what we were planning for this for this tournament and i was really you know rubbing an eye and going forwards and back trying to think okay well what do i want to run because essentially i i had two options in front of myself on one hand i really wanted to run one of my favorite characters in icp who is of course director Chronic who i eventually did end up taking i was tossing up whether to take or or whether to take um, something which could deal more damage. Because a chronic trooper list is very, very effective and it can it can seriously eat through single die defenders. But a chronic list is by essence, and by definition, an Imperial Trooper list. And what is the Imperial Trooper's biggest or most dangerous matchup? Well, that would be anything with a very defensive queen, such as, say, Boba or, like, um, not really IG-88 because he's only got one defensive. But let's say Boba or Vader, for example, the Royal Guard champion. So any of those kinds so or any kind of queen spam list is really something I was afraid of. But not really seeing any queen spam lists likely to show up. I then decided to go for Chronic. and so actually my list was actually surprisingly similar to Josh's. So I had Director Chronic, I had Idem, just one for Spy Splash, because I think Season 5, it was just a competitive meta where you either had, you either spied or you were spied on. It, it, it was that kind of thing. If you didn't run the spies, then either you did not care about command cards, or you just weren't optimizing the list, and that's harsh to say, but that I, th- In my view, that it was simply the meta we had at the end of Season 5 because of the raw amount of incredibly effective spy units. And so I put it into the list for that reason. In addition to her having synergy with Krennic, because she's a trooper. And as she already has her token doubling effect, being able to spend a power token and get an additional damage. Getting a third additional damage with Krennic for the cost of strain. Certainly looking at a blue, red, yellow, plus three damage attacker. With plus for accuracy she's gonna hit anyone and she can do a serious amount of damage so i took her for those reasons and then i also threw in two sets of elite sentry droids and then just to really ensure that i threw around as many power tokens as possible i have two death troopers which means that every single round I'm getting three power tokens out one from each of the death troopers and one from krennic and that was the list then obviously rule by fear and zillow technique mm-hmm. just to round things out and give myself some card draw and also as we've mentioned previously, if you're running Empire, you're running Zillow. Otherwise, you are very, very silly. Very silly. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, sounds like a fun, fun list. And then I think um, Jessica was also playing Evader list.
2: You know me. I just love <laughs> me some Bader. I just have to, uh, but I wanted to test out a few things and uh, wanted to put in Afra because she's actually one of my favorite characters in the kind of the wider Star Wars universe. So I really like her comics, and I, I think is just a really cool character. So I put in an Afra. Yeah. So I put in Afra to. To combo with um, Vader just for for thematic reasons, and obviously you then have to put in her droid buddies, BT and Triple Zero. So I had Afra, Vader, BT, Triple Zero, and some riot troopers just for some beef. I like them, and you get to kind of combo the the brawler tag and do some fun kind of melee push with Vader, have them just get in the way because they're really cheap. I Was actually pleasantly surprised with how I did. I thought I was going to do really bad, but it was okay. Was definitely not an optimal Vader list. BT is a little expensive still. And Triple Zero, I've always have found a little bit tricky to use because he's a little bit squishy for being melee figure. But I did manage to do some improper procedures. So overall, I felt like it was a success.
0: (laughs) oh lovely so how would you say that triple zero specifically worked for you in the course of the tournament how did you mainly use him was he uh more of a harassment piece? did he go up and attack characters objective control what did you find his use typically was for you
2: so i didn't actually use him the same way consistently sometimes because of the maps It was just a little too open and he wasn't quite fast enough and not quite enough beefy enough to, I feel like, make it across the map. So I I would kind of sometimes like leave him sitting at a terminal or something like that or use him for objectives, but there were instances where I would be able to get him to kind of go in with my brawler push with the riots and have him in there and sometimes you can kind of position him so that he's like behind them so that they're soaking up with their tokens and you can he's still within position to be able to pop out and do his touch and things and and then dip back but yeah again I didn't find he was so effective he was definitely I think the least effective unit in my list but I just like him. I mean, he just has really funny named uh, abilities. <laughs> <laughs> and so, with his like unsettling visage and improper procedures, he's he's a he's a bad dude.
0: <laughs> I do find him as, to be quite an interesting character because on the paper he doesn't look that abysmal because. He's definitely slow, and I think that's really where the crux lies. He is very slow, and that's the problem, because typically in Imperial Assault, the melee figures in the game, they'll either have one of three things. You'll either be very, very tanky, very, very fast, or you'll hit like a truck. So Darksever Maul is an example of, he's the slowest melee figure in the game, but he hits like a truck when he actually gets to combat with someone. Then you have Diala. Hits okay. Nothing to write home about, but she's okay. But she's ridiculously fast. Speed 5 and a free 2-space push. That's very, very effective. She can get anywhere. Same with Ahsoka. Doesn't hit incredibly hard, but hits very well, and she can go 8 spaces on attack. And then you have some people who, you know, they're just very, very tanky. And he doesn't really feel, fit any of those roles, does he? He's, he's got okay defensiveness. He's got twice the amount of health for his points, which is typically what you want to aim for. And his attack is all right, but it's just that slow speed compared with the beige attack that I think is kind of where his problem lies. Yeah,
1: I mean, 2 health per point. An empire with Zillow and if you slap some block tokens on him is never
0: too bad. No, exactly. Exactly. The, the problem ultimately just lies in him not being able to do enough. Red, yellow, no reroll is just not good enough. Especially with the surges. They're not incredible, are they?
2: Yeah, I found his uh, surges underwhelming. Okay, I did miss... Speak though earlier, it's he doesn't have improper procedures. That's actually MHD. He has invasive <laughs> procedure. <laughs> oh no, see the worst. Improper
1: and invasive.
2: But just, like, in case anyone hasn't ever tried to play him before, um, he has an action for invasive procedure, and adjacent figure suffers one damage, one strain, and becomes bleeding, and you become focused. So what you ideally want to have happen is that you have one action for invasive procedure and one action to then attack. But Mm. because he is melee and you have to be adjacent, like, the positioning is very tricky to get that to work. You can use some brawler cards. There are some brawler cards that would give you movement points and things like that. But yeah, it, that, I found that quite awkward. You never quite got that combo off. And He also has a surge for Shocking Palm. The attack misses and the defender becomes stunned. I f- don't think I ever managed to do that.
0: No. I mean, the problem really with stun is that I just don't think it's... I, and this sounds really... It's going to sound really strange, but I'm just not convinced it's powerful enough in the current meta. Don't get me wrong, it's one of the strongest search abilities and abilities in the game, by far, because being able to stun someone's is very powerful, but every single faction has a technique to remove stun. If your list is crippled by stun, then you will, by definition, put in something which can which can fix stun. If you're running beta, then you're probably going to run unshakable. If you're running rebels, you're probably going to run Yoda or Heart of Freedom and those kinds of cards. If you're running, you know, some kind of moralist, okay, well, you're probably going to have something that can help you remove the stun and just that just means that sacrificing an attack and all the damage involved to stun someone it's probably either going to be the stun on someone who then isn't really going to be weakened by the stun or it's going to be stunning say an officer instead of doing three damage to it and killing it which you wouldn't do because you would rather kill it at the point so it's no you're right i haven't really found much use to it but it's um it's definitely interesting we will see if he comes out at some point in the future season,
2: but I mean, overall, I had fun like i I liked playing the droids together, and b t is super murdery, but you do have that situation where you want to get him out there so that he can try to take advantages of advantage of as many shots as possible, but that does leave him open to attack a lot of time, mm. and he has a decent health pool, but it's not he's not the most defensive, so you have to be really careful you don't lose him immediately and you try to get a bit more use out of him. But it was it was a fun list to play.
0: That's good. So kind of on the topic of uh, Vader then, putting out an open question to both Joshua and Jess, how did you find playing Vader on the maps which were in rotation at the tournament?
1: Oh yeah, would it help if somebody reminded us what maps they were? Because it has been a while.
0: That was the
3: Senate office, Jabba's Palace, and Chopper Base.
2: I found it actually okay. I don't remember it being too bad for Vader. There weren't too many places where I felt like it was way too open.
3: Yeah, um, having practiced quite a lot with my brother and dad beforehand, I kind of knew a few spaces where he could hide. Mm. But I was also aware of how much damage he could soak up. And so I wasn't adverse to the strategy of throwing him in the open to pull my opponent out of position so the sentry droids can take them down. So I also wasn't really too afraid of him being unable to hide.
0: No, that's the thing which I really, really do like about your list, because unlike the Vader Jets archetype, which has been very, very common and popular, sentries can take people down pretty well from range. Yeah. And Jets just don't. And I've definitely felt that when I played against your list, Josh, that you really are able to just destroy lists from range with a Vader list which is seriously interesting because that's very rarely what you'll see in a Vader archetype.
2: Well you basically cover both bases right? Yeah exactly.
1: I mean Vader's also really good at range with his choking.
2: That's
0: true. Automatic you know unblockable two damage at limitless range is not to be scoffed at so to speak. So Josh uh, before we go into kind of the games that you played and we all played at the tournament do you want to tell me a little more about the prep? Um, obviously you know you told us what your list was and how you came up with the design but was there any particular highlights in your practice and what was your practice how much did you practice for the tournament
3: feel slightly ashamed to say that i practiced probably far more than is fair the perks of living in a house with two other people who play the game and are also going to the tournament with you there was (laughs) rarely a shortage of an opponent to play against Hmm. yeah it's just we worked out we were going to go to the tournament and so for the next However long it was until the tournament, there was almost always a skirmish map set up, either in my brother's room or downstairs, and two of us during a game probably annoyed the rest of the family, but... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing, though. And it sounds like you definitely put the work in.
3: Yeah, well, can you call a game work? <laughs> nice, so, nice.
0: And that's the thing, it really, really showed you. You thoroughly played well. You played in a practiced way, which honestly, because I do play a moderate amount online, and very rarely do I play someone who's very seriously put in the work with that one list. I really was impressed by that when I was playing against you that day.
2: When you were making your list specifically to play at an event, while all of you were kind of preparing to go to the event and making your list, did you take into any consideration like what the meta was going to be like and try to think of how to counter it? How did you and your brother kind of come up with lists when you were playing? You knew you were had a high chance of maybe playing each other and trying to come up with things that countered his list. What was, what was your thought process there?
3: Honestly, it's not that difficult. I wasn't really aware of any current metas. So my list building was simply looking at what I had done last tournament. What had worked well, what had worked not so well, and how to fix what hadn't worked quite so well. And I felt that Sentry George replacing the champion did the change I needed. In terms of planning my list, the moment I realized we were going to a tournament, I immediately dibs Vader so my brother couldn't take it. Nice. (laughs) And I didn't really plan on countering him. In fact, if anything, I was more afraid that he was countering me with a Jedi list because Jedi against Vader is... It's his major weakness. I've just played him so much over the past four years that I kind of know how he works and can predict his moves before he makes them. So Mm. I feel Mm. confident playing him regardless of what list I've got and what list he's got. That's definitely fair
0: enough. Very cool. All
1: right, tell us about your first game, Josh.
3: So my first game was against Jess. It was on Chopper base with the Krikna infestation. Oh my god, the Krikna. <laughs> I forgot that was one. <laughs> one of the missions. I started off reasonably confident when I saw the list because I know that sentry droids have the capacity to utterly annihilate grey riot troopers. The single activation and two of them will just be dead. Then when it got started, it got a lot more difficult and my confidence wavered quite soon. From what I can remember, it was kind of a pop out, deal a bit of damage, pop back around the center doorway until the Vaders met. In the middle and I believe one round Jess was able to go first and our Vedas were next to each other and she pulls out Pummel and I thought uh oh I managed to survive with one health remaining yeah, oh,
2: yeah. Wow. It, that was very very satisfying round though so I don't even feel bad afterwards that I didn't manage to finish him off it was it was quite satisfying to play
3: being able to go with him next I think helped take down your Vader then my Vader fell And what hadn't happened in my practice games came about in which we ran out of time rather than just finishing to 40 points. And it was during that round I realized, actually, I was very few points ahead. I think at one point you overtook me because i had given you an extra Krikner to kill on the first round and you hadn't. Yeah,
2: it was really tight. It was a
3: quick, rapid strategy change and focusing on the Riot Troopers rather than trying to bring down one of the tougher ones which in the end paid off.
1: Yeah, that, that can be tough, actually, with, with pacing and figuring out, you know, when the tournament games will end. It's especially interesting slash annoying to have the final be a different time length than the rest of the games.
2: Yeah. And with playing a Vader list as well, you kind of have this duality of play styles that Depending on the situation you want to either be really really aggressive or you want to kind of have him hang back and have him last longer be a bit more defensive save his points and also if you're playing against Vader there's again this kind of like two strategies you can go with you can either go with going all in on trying to kill him and getting your value. But the problem is that if you don't manage to, if he manages to survive on one health and run away, then you've invested a lot and haven't gotten anything for it. So it's a little bit tricky. I enjoy playing aggressive Vader (laughs) just because I think it's just really fun. It's not always the best choice, but it was a really, really fun game.
0: (laughs) That's great too. Well, it sounds like quite an interesting match, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's always something I've found rather interesting, the Vader v Vader matchup. And I've spoken to a lot of Vader players over the years, You know, Alistair Scott, Scott Nielsen, all these different VEDA plays around the world, and they all have different ways of playing VEDA, different strategies, different reasons for playing him, and all these different things. And they all also seem to play the VEDA mirror in their own unique way. So just quickly before we jump onto Josh's round two, Jess and Josh, what would you say is your plan going into the VEDA mirror match? Kill them before they kill me.
2: Isaac, you are expecting that I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe that was a little bit bold of me. <laughs> I'll <I was> say.
2: <laughs> I think Josh just makes sense, though. Like, you basically want to try to remove the threat off of the board. And Josh, I think your list is really well positioned to do that as well with your droids because you can kind of. Take those shots while my brawlers are trying to like get up there. Like uh, I'm always trying to kind of like rush with my brawlers because that's how I get my value is having them soak up some hits and then get them as quickly as they can into. Whatever fight, so that they can do their work, and also I want to like rush my Vader up, kind of behind that wall of brawlers, because then if I have, for example, like really expensive ranged units that are going to be having really really strong hits, they don't get into Vader, they blow up a riot, which is only two points. So that's kind of my plan is to kind of have this wall of of beefy brawlers kind of rush up with Vader. Generally speaking, against rangeless. But Vader v. Vader, I made a gamble. Also, drawing the pummel and knowing that I was going to get initiative at that time, I gambled on it, tried to go for it.
3: A a Vader matchup is always hard to win. But I guess the general strategy is when the Vaders meet, you want it to be in the situation that you can deal with best. So in the case of our game, it was in a place where my sentry droids could shoot, but your riot troopers were out of range to
0: get involved. Right. So definitely going for a... I suppose a proactive game's game plan of ensuring that the game's played on your turn. Yeah,
2: generally. Yeah, and I think possibly I got distracted by the Kriknas as well, which, you know.
0: <laughs> which is uh, easy to be, because those annoying bugs. I have to say, I have no complaints about having the buy-around one and the missing out on that map. <laughs> oh, I kind of
1: like the Kriknas, they're pretty
0: fun. I also like it. Uh, I, I, I just don't. It's, I, I'm not going to rant about it again, but... Eight health, two block for two points is ludicrous. It is ludicrous. It makes a riot trooper look easy to kill. And when you put it like that, when you put it like that, you realize how busted those criminals are. But I'm not going to harp on too long about it.
1: All right, Josh, why don't you tell us about your second game?
3: So my game against my brother, I went into quite confident. I have a very high win rate against him, which... I guess it's the perk of being older, but there we are. In the end, that game did turn out to be one of my easier wins, mostly due to a result of him rolling very poor defensively, which I guess is a risky run when you're entirely white dice. But there we are. I think it was this Senate building map and we finished off, I think, Vader in a showdown with the final one or two Jedi left in the Jedi Temple tile.
2: Nice. That feels very satisfying. Very thematic, True. yeah.
3: Ended with a senator running into the zone.
1: So did, did they manage to put a lot of damage on him or was Vader pretty healthy at the end?
3: Vader took quite a lot of damage because I don't think I lost a figure during that game. I think I had quite a bit of spread damage, like five on this sentry and four on another. But I don't think I lost any individual figures. Mm. So I'm going to assume that Vader took quite a bit.
1: Damage. Mm. Yeah, it's it's always tough if you you know put a lot of damage onto Vader and don't let him don't get him in the end because that's you know all of your resources during that game
3: denied basically didn't have a brilliant run the dice from that game it just I seem to remember feeling a bit bad so. From that, I can guess that he didn't roll very well. Yeah, Maybe one dodge the entire game kind of thing.
2: Is that one of your reasons for preferring Imperial? Because that's definitely for me. I don't like having white die figures. It, it just makes me nervous. I like that it's in the game, that it's possible to have the dodges because it can have some really fun moments. But I don't really like relying on that for my own defense. Do you have any strategies to kind of mitigate the dodges or anything like that or you just kind of hope that you have enough attacks that it doesn't really matter
3: kind of both i'm usually a campaign player and so that often takes form of me being empire against white dice heroes in which case it's an mm. imperial misses a shot i'm just like all right bring up the next one we're we'll still trying yeah and wound yep. this hero. But in terms of skirmish i think this time i was happy with the quantity of shots That if one was dodged, it wasn't too much of a problem, unless it was a Vader attack, because that's potentially 10 damage being missed off. Yeah. But yeah, previously I have run Deadly Precision with Vader, which is quite useful if you've got a critical game, you critical round, you definitely need to get get this damage in. You apply a negative dodge for a round, and it can help you.
2: Yeah. I've considered putting it in a few times, and... I just have never actually managed to need it. But I think I have had it in my list a few times. It definitely depends on the meta.
1: Yeah, running into dodge is always really nasty. I mean, the moment we all got all these reroll white die or remove die tools, they, they sort of took over command decks quite quickly. I think because it was such a powerful way to prevent you from just getting completely hosed by dice rolls, right? All right. So, uh, you actually ended up playing Jessica again later, right?
3: Yes, sir. This is the game that I have absolutely no recollection about at all. Do you
2: remember what map it was? No, I
3: remember nothing about this game.
1: I also remember nothing about this game.
2: So annoying. I had my notes for it. Oh, hold on, hold on.
1: But We're sure it happened. i do not just.
2: <laughs> Okay, I think this is why, now looking back at my notes, you crushed me. <laughs>
1: Alright, since, since Jessica seems to have some magic notes about this game, why don't you tell us about about the the rematch between you and Jabba?
2: It was as Palace. Yeah, it looks like basically, I only got points from Mission Objectives, and you slaughtered my whole team.
1: <laughs> oh no!
2: That yeah, pretty bad! <laughs> Yeah. So I I lost my riots early. I used my riots to try to get the mission objectives because that's where I've got my points from and then and then BT got killed in round 2. I lost some more riots and I lost Vader in round 3, but it looks like it was both Vader's died that time but i i oh no okay i remember this one now this was the one where basically if i i had like a very slim chance that if i could kill your vader and run mine away then i would have won because the swing would have um, been enough i think at that point but i i had some bad luck i think on some of the roles and you did enough Damage that you killed my Vader early enough, and I had lost so many things before that that it didn't matter. So yeah, it's really you have to be careful with Vader about timing when he goes down and trying to get the value out of him. And yeah, it's the that was a sad. Bt was killed very early. Mm. I think I only killed Vader, and that was it.
1: And some objective points.
2: Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right. So I believe in Swiss round three, it was Josh that you and I faced off.
3: It was Jabba's Palace. It would have been the one with the crates, I think. I think the general pattern of the game was we both opened our doors, rushed into the throne room and did what we can. You obviously stayed back a bit further because Vader was charging at you, whereas I tried to get a bit closer because Vader was charging at you. (laughs) Yeah. And if I recall correctly, I think you were winning until I managed to play Call the Vanguard and use a sentry droid to take out versus you at the start of a round, so she can then take out Vader. And had that not taken place, you would have won quite cleanly, I think, but a slight square out and line of sight could be found. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because go- running up against a Vader list with my list, I mean, kind of what I alluded to earlier, that's really not where my list shines just isn't yeah ultimately vader is a struggle because sentries are good sentries with krennic are ridiculously good because he can double the plus one token on their multi-fire attacks rather than two attacks at minus one they can get two de- attacks at plus one and if you ever want to see why krennic is good try running him with sentries and doubling both of the tokens the multi-fires you will see just how lethal sentries are when you're able to do that. But against Vader, that's a little bit difficult to do. And while I do have a lot of peers, I just don't really have the firepower necessary to take down Vader efficiently. So I was able to whittle you down relatively well. And also, my guys were definitely better at picking up crates because, I, you know, I was just some death troopers who could run around pick up crates and do those kinds of things and you didn't really. And that was definitely an advantage in it, on my part that I was able to get more from the objectives. That was kind of the plan, just get as much objective points as possible. And then kill a sentry here, kill a sentry there, but really just take a bait. If I don't take a bait, I'm not going to win. So I really went hard for that, but sadly that was not quite to be. I
3: think he did take him out in the end. Yeah, But by that time he had managed to do enough damage it wasn't
0: enough. Exactly, yeah, because between dark energy and stuff like that, you were really able to take out a lot of my figures with Vader during those final few rounds. Uh, ultimately, you definitely played very, very well. So, what would you say that your plan was going up against? You know, obviously, I had sentries, and unlike yours, my sentries were quite buffed to the nth degree with uh, power tokens, and also. Krennic. What were your fears? What were your hopes? Do you want to talk us through that a little bit? They weren't
3: really developed at the start of the game because I had never played against Krennic before. I was just conscious of the fact that sentry droids don't have much health for their cost. They cost five per figure, but eight health each. Mm-hmm. And so I was conscious of the fact that if Vader's taking fire, my sentry droids can then kill your sentry droids without too much difficulty. And that was made easier by the damage you suffered using Krennic's damage buffing in the
0: shop. yeah no definitely because uh, the thing that I had was that if I were to do that kind of trade-off where you know I go for your sentries instead of Vader yes that means that your sentries can't take out my sentries but Vader takes out sentries far better than sentries take out sentries so if I was going to stop you doing damage and the thing was I would rather start chipping away at Vader when I have all of my sentries and Ivan and Krennic and everything in place rather than because by the time I've killed all of your sentries, I've probably lost at least two sentries myself, at least. And then suddenly staring at a fully health beta down the down the barrel as he's in my face that is certainly not quite the position you would want to be in
3: it's that dilemma that my dad never fails to talk about whenever he gets annoyed at vader's pal
0: yeah i mean vader is very very strong he is and uh, i have lost quite a few finals to vader <laughs> yeah it's it's your common curse.
2: Nemesis.
0: yes indeed I. <laughs> But, no, again, you definitely played it very well. But no, that was definitely a very interesting game. I, I did enjoy that. There was a lot of thinking involved. It definitely wasn't the kind of just a direct steamrolling, which sometimes can happen with Vader, because at the end of the day, I find that a lot of my games against Vader can go rather swingy. Sometimes Vader rolls nothing but triple blocks, and there's nothing I can do. Sometimes Vader rolls nothing but one block, and there's nothing the Vader player can do. But in this one, it actually felt like, like there was quite a lot of dynamic back and, back and forth play. And like you said, ultimately, it really came down to okay, well, you were able to kill Iden right before she was going to be able to Because I had everything in place to be able to kill Vader there. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, I had, you know, initiative was coming in my way, and I had comms disruption. So I knew you weren't going to be able to, to take initiative or right anything like that. So I was quite convinced. But then. You played for one card essentially, which changed yeah. that. And it, it was very well done. Very well done. But no, I, I remember enjoying that game. It was definitely tight. It was also a good
3: practice at playing you at a game before the final. Mm,
0: no, definitely. Definitely. Especially if you haven't played against Chronic before. Obviously, I do have a little bit of an advantage in that area, as I am on the senior committee, and so I do know what cards come out before they are released, stuff like that. Now, your list is rather. Mild on the ICP inclusions in that you have two ICP cards, but those are the minor ICP changes. It's you know just the just a small points swap around, as opposed to um, say for example chronic a, a an ICP production, and I think and that worked very very well for you, but uh, that was definitely an aspect to it in that I knew what ICP cards were and I usually know what they do quite far in advance to a tournament like that.
1: Yeah, so you, you guys then obviously ended up meeting again in the final. So Josh, did your uh, did your plans change after you had played him once? Did you come up with a new strategy against Krennic in between those games?
3: Not really. I'm not really a person who plans before a mission. I like to see how it pans out and then react to the general strategy mm. of use vader as well as possible before he dies and make sure he doesn't die in vain that was still there
0: like normal
2: that's how i play too
1: <laughs> so just murder and don't be murdered always a good story yeah
0: exactly simple but that is interesting though so so josh would you say that your play style is more reactive rather than proactive more responding to what your opponent does in the most efficient way possible rather than executing your own plan not
3: really either i guess I'm quite happy to respond to what my opponent does, but I'm not one to take a passive role either. I'll know what Mm. my cards can do and my figures, so I'll use them in the way I know how they work in order to try and get the best out of them. If my opponent ends up doing something or playing in a certain way which makes that hard to do, I'll then try and adapt my playstyle to try and counter what they're doing. But ultimately, I know how my figures are best used and try as much as possible to use them in that way. No, that makes perfect
0: sense. No, because I've definitely seen a ton of players who, you know, and some players they prefer to create a plan and stick to the plan, and then some some players like, um, I mean, like Allison, for example, just you know going with the flow, and some people wanting to follow a plan, some people just wanting to destroy their opponent's plans, and sometimes the best plan is to destroy your opponent's plan, and it's very interesting to see how that comes into effect in the game. But that's definitely a discussion for another time. All right. Well, you've now won the top four. You've done very well throughout the tournament, and. You move on to the finals. Is this your first time in an pure Assault Finals? Yes. So how were you feeling?
3: I was feeling quite confident, mostly as a result of the fact that I'd won all of the previous ones and the mm. fact that I felt I could win the next one. I just knew I had enough practice. I knew what my cards could do. I had played you earlier in the tournament and had beaten you yeah. then, so I knew it was possible. And so I just thought, I can do this. Hopefully I will do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, so the mission... Battle at Dawn. Yeah, so that definitely was a little bit of a worry for me, because uh, something which my list does rely on going up against Vader, because again, Imperial Troopers really struggle against Vader. I dare say it's probably their worst matchup. But what I can usually be calm with is the fact that, okay, at least I can do some damage to Vader on approach, because that was essentially the design for Krennic. I was kind of one of the people who came up with the initial design for Krennic in the ICP. As we were designing the seasons, and the fourth process was let's create a character who can give Imperial troopers an answer to Vader. Now it didn't completely succeed, but that was the whole design behind it. So I felt okay. If I'm going up against Vader, I want a chronic at least in a in a trooper in a trooper list, and it definitely did help because suddenly going from green green yellow on the sentries to green green yellow plus two that is a big change. It really really is. But the fact that there's minus accuracies so much and because that's the thing, the the century droids—they are not snipers. People like to say that they are, but they are not reliable. Green, green, and even with the static plus two from charged shot, it is very easy for you to roll one of the green, one of the green, and then zero on the yellow. And you really don't want to use your searches for accuracy against Vader. You want to search for the pierce, for the damage, for all those things. So, wasn't overly stoked with the objective, to be honest. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess <laughs> Vader has no accuracy problems when he
0: uses the power of the Force. Exactly. Because that's the thing, when this map came out, I think there were some people who went, okay, it seems very very ranged favored to the design of it, but I'm not necessarily convinced that's the case, especially on that one. Melee figures round one have practically free reign, unless you are running mortar trooper or rangers, maybe scout troopers as well. Unless you're running any of that, you really shouldn't be very afraid. Of a ranged list, if you're a melee list on this map, because of that negative accuracy thing. Again, it depends on what the list is. Obviously, if focus it in weak ways are still like, going to hit you from anywhere. And rangers, they will always be ranger things. I can certainly attest to that. <laughs> but no, it's it's definitely an interesting map. So I had the imperial side, if I recall correctly, and you had the the, the brown looking side. Were you pleased with that deployment? I'm not quite sure who chose which.
3: I just played enough in preparation that I was happy coming on any map from any starting deployment. I knew some were better than others, but I could handle either due to experience.
0: That's great. That's ultimately exactly where you want to be. That's really good to hear. I was definitely pleased with my side as well. Again, it is not the ideal... Because the difficulty is, on this map as well, is that the objectives are few and far between. And by that, I quite legitimately mean that, definitionally speaking. The objectives are few, and it is far between them. And... To add to that, the objectives give very, very little points. And that, in combination with a big accuracy debuff on a mid-range list against Vader, I was worried (laughs) Uh, because I can't shoot Vader reliably, and I also can't hold objectives. So trying to come up with an effective plan, it, it was difficult. It really, really was. So I did box up in um kind of just on my side of the door and actually as yes, i do believe that i did have initiative because i was able to decide which of the two sides i went for and this is something which i definitely learned playing this map for as long as i have that if i have a, a melee list and i'm deploying first all of my guys are going on the side of the map which has the smaller room separating them because essentially you have three main lanes you have the middle lane with the big cross of red terrain, then you have a left lane and you have a right lane. Now on one of the ra- on one of these side lanes, it's six spaces between the doors. And if I'm playing melee and I can choose where where I deploy, then if I deploy my melee figures on the side which is closer to the one with the smaller distance between the doors, that means my opponent is most likely gonna place them there as well. Which means suddenly I am controlling the, the rules of the engagement essentially and ensuring that, that the battle is fought in the place where it is easier for my guys to get to you. Now, because I believe I had initiative, I did the exact same thing, but in reverse. I had the ranged list, you had the more melee-based list, and so I went for the for the longer side, hoping that would buy me some advantage. And I think it did. I just did not a well that game, and uh, couldn't really land a lot of my shots, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and in- interestingly, I guess before the Battle at Dawn rules went away. Josh actually had the uh, slightly better ranged list.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I I mean, yes and no, because I would probably say that Aiden with a triple, with a token tripling effect, is still probably going to hit pretty effectively, and arguably do more than Vader's choke. But still, it's, uh, it's definitely not the most ideal of situations. And I think I did find myself giving my sentry some search tokens to double because I just really needed that accuracy. And that's what, another thing which I do like about this, that it gives you that flexibility. But so Josh, talk us through how you felt the, the rounds went. What figures did you want to prioritise getting rid of?
3: In terms of setup, although you had chosen the longer side, the one that's eight spaces, I was actually quite happy with that arrangement because most of the practice games had ended up being there, and I think there are more areas of cover, or at least easier places of cover to find in the advance, whereas once you open the Jedi Council tile, yes, you're closer, but there's absolutely no line of sight blocking you can find at all. Also, I knew I couldn't really change it, so I just accepted what was happening and went for the fight, seized on the chance of the negative accuracy to try and get Vader there as quickly as possible. I think The defining moment of the game for me was either at the end of round two or the start of round three, I noticed that my sentry droids were virtually untouched because everything had been shooting Vader. And it was at that moment that I thought, let's take an aggressive stance. No holding back with the charge shot, let's run close and use Multifier to Capitalize on the damage we've got as much as possible, and I think that was eventually what ended the game. Nice, yeah, exactly. And
0: you that was definitely the correct choice to make because I just had to shoot Vader, there was really nothing else I had for it. Because if we had drawn some kind of mission where you can get a lot of points from objectives, I could have just sniped and taken out your sentries and then won on points. Because again, four sentries that's 20 points. If I can take out Thrawn somehow, that's number six. Then I just need to spam objective And that I can do, but not on this mission. Really not on this mission. So I, I really was hoping for the Senators. Senators would have been a big, big difference. But that definitely would have been would have been the preference then. But yeah, because of the mission, I, I had to kill Vader. There was no way for me to get 40. And there was no way for me to time it out intelligently. And I, I don't mean slow playing or anything, of course. But you know, sometimes a game just won't... A game will go to time because of how both players play, yeah. and it wasn't really a way to do that because this was a finals game, which means we have an additional forty minutes, which is good. But that meant that my only path to forty points and ultimately to victory was to take out beta. and at the end of the day, I just couldn't couldn't do it. Your positioning, your the playing, and then again your the timing with rushing in with the sentries when you did very very well done, and it got you the well deserved win. I
3: think it also definitely didn't help when Iden Versio took a shot and rolled three single icons. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, my my dice stuff did did betray me, but and there were a lot of triple blocks on Vader's side. But I I never I never really tie any victory or loss to dice solely. You played well, you played very well with the hand you were dealt, and that's ultimately why you won. So no, it was a very well deserved win, and I'm very pleased that you got your first ever tournament win as well.
1: Yeah. So how how many times did Vader actually die during the day for you?
3: I think both times against Jess and the first time against Isaac. So I think three of five.
1: Oh, so yeah, he he died quite a lot then.
3: But ultimately, I don't really mind if he dies, provided he achieves his objective, which yeah. is to draw all the fire and take down their biggest piece at the same time.
2: Yep, 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 yep.
3: If he does that, the rest of the list finishes off the rest.
0: Yeah, that's really the difficulty when playing lists or uh, as in when playing against lists. If you can't deal with Vader quickly, you have to be able to find a way that once Vader's dead, you've won the game. Because Vader will have done enough work and I mean just like you're saying there, once Vader's gone, suddenly you've got twenty seven points worth of other things. Obviously you'll have Zillow and something like that, but around twenty seven points worth of other things, which are untouched, unless you've, you know, use them for body blocking or something. And that is really scary for the non Vader player, and that's really why I don't really think that Imperial Tribalists I, I don't think they're top tier. I think they're viable. They're very, very viable. But I just don't think that they can compete on the really high levels, because if you if you run into Vader, there are some trooper builds that can take out Vader. They can't win the aftermath unless it's on a very beneficial mission or map. That. That's really the danger, that's why that's why I think that there are so many people who like to gravitate towards you know still hunters, even though they've been, it's say pretty poorly supported. I think for good reason, because hunters already have very good options. They haven't gotten a lot of new stuff from ICP, so to speak. And uh, Jedi, for example, they're not maybe not top, top tier, but I, I would say they're very, very good, and they're very efficient Vader killers as well. You know, a Ezra Pummel, that's going to do a serious amount of damage to Vader any day of the week. But Imperial troops, like, I'm not quite sure what it is they're missing. To be honest, now that now we've had the Season 6 stuff, and I am very curious to see how a all of that stuff would actually affect you, because now we did get a lot of uh, more Trooper toys, such as, say, the updated uh, Covering Fire, which would have been very interesting in that tournament. That's definitely yeah, um, something which... Uh, Chronicles would love suddenly having a ton of hiddens
3: yeah i was running covering fire at that tournament as well and kind of wish that we had the season six version at the start of the
0: game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i am really glad always to see vader in the meta though you know he's definitely one of the, the biggest characters in the ip and he's a great figure as well
0: no exactly he should be a scary and dominating character in the game but i think with icp I don't think that the meta has changed from where it was in principle in terms of list design when Heart of the Empire came out, which is ensure your list can deal with Vader. I think that still stands in ICP, arguably to an even, to an even greater extent because of the prevalence of Queen's lists. Vader, Vice Royal Guard Champion. That's a disgusting list. Vader, the Fett, Royal Guards. We've we, we've seen you know we've seen how effective and brutal those archetypes have been. And they're definitely not unbeatable, but they're very, very, very solid. And I think that if you're you are building a list in an ICP and you're you're looking to be serious at tournaments, and you definitely don't have to. Be. I think most people probably take tournaments you know more casually, more for fun, and I think that's a great thing as well. But if you're really serious about winning and trying to find the best list possible, I really think that you do need efficient Vader killing tools. I think most lists nowadays can deal with Vader, but that's the thing: if you don't deal with them quickly enough, the amount of time that you sink teeth into vader while well, he's you know killing you and his support is killing you eventually you'll kill vader and then you're staring down the 27 other points with your 15 points worth of stuff left yeah that's not a good <laughs> decision to be in
1: all right well congrats again josh on a well-earned win you i mean you had you had to beat isaac twice so that's always gonna take some effort
2: josh any uh parting comments
3: not really except just this game is brilliant you can play it however you like fundamentally though it's a game have fun with it if you win great if you lose still great you gotta play a game just enjoy it
2: amazing thank you so much for coming on
3: thank you for having me on it's been
2: great
1: hope to see you at other events in the future
3: yes And I'll bring along the light-up beta. Yes.
2: Nice. Nice.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Love it. It's been a pleasure having you on, mate. Take care.